This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. It's a Monday great night to a kickoff, a busy week here on Sports Talk because we've been busy all day today, busy all over the weekend, and busy coming up with the uh, ACC and SEC tournaments in front of us, wrapped up the Clemson Carolina Baseball Series over the weekend, wrapped up the SEC Women's Tournament over the weekend. Going to talk about all of that. Smitty was up in Greenville for the weekend covering the USC women as they win another SEC tournament championship to go on top of their SEC regular season championship to go on top of their undefeated perfect season to this point. And now they wait to find out who comes to Columbia for the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament in a couple of weeks. I was uh, with the baseball series first up here at Clemson, then over in Greenville, and then down to Columbia. Now I'm back up at Clemson because Brad Brownell met with the media today to preview the ACC tournament as a three seed coming off the Tigers' most successful ever regular season in ACC basketball with 14 wins. And then Clemson started spring football practice this afternoon, so Dabo Sweeney met with the media in Clemson's brand-new, state-of-the-art, beautiful media center inside their football practice facility, and they have done that just right. Now, you know, we're easily spoiled in the media. You know, you give us a Chick-fil-A sandwich and a soft chair, and we're usually pretty happy. But this uh, goes above and beyond all of that. It's um, really, really a step forward for Clemson in terms of a place for the media to go and work and work in comfort and work in some modern luxury. It's part of the complete renovations of that side of their indoor facility because they have built uh, uh, an area for uh, use for their uh, marketing and for their licensing and for players to come in and um, do podcasts and do videos and have pictures made and all this sort of stuff. It's part of the NIL, the overall NIL program at Clemson, and they have built a, a fantastic area in there for all of that. Uh, there's a room dedicated to their former NFL players where they have computer stations and uh, an area to meet and greet and relax. And so it's just a really, really nice upgrade to their indoor facility. And um, it was a lot of fun to go through there uh, today and uh, and see it all. And then the Clemson uh, team went out on the practice field and they're just about to wrap up. So we'll bring you. What uh, Dabo Sweeney had to say. We'll also bring you Brad Brownell. USC baseball coach Mark Kingston joins us live at 635. Tradition here on Sports Talk. Winning coach of the baseball series joins us live on Monday night. And so he'll be with us at 635. Great job by the USC baseball team throughout the weekend. Lost the first game at Clemson. Came up in the ninth inning with a chance to, to tie. But Clemson got it done. But then South Carolina won a slugfest in Greenville on Saturday, 
and then just overpowered the Tigers on Sunday, both on the mound and on the uh, at the plate when they hit some real, real uh, bombs, uh, home runs in that ball game to win seven to one. So, as South Carolina would remind you, uh, this caps the. Uh, well, for the most part of the major sports, it caps the season, and South Carolina put out a tweet, if you didn't already know this, but they put out a tweet, of course, uh, applauding themselves, and, and they should because Clemson's done the same thing as they won all the major sports head-to-head against Clemson this year, football, men's basketball, baseball, and women's basketball, all went in favor of the Gamecocks. First time since uh, 2012, I think South Carolina has achieved that. But most importantly, above and beyond all of that, off of vacation in the panhandle of Florida, Chris Bergen is back in the saddle. How are you, sir? I'm doing tremendous, guys, and great to hear your voice. Yeah, I was so uh, I was on vacation or work vacation, if you will, long enough that I was starting to get mail down in Florida. So I felt like mm. I needed to come back before Ron DeSantis started sending me tax bills. Though I do feel like we're going to get a bill from the uh, state of Florida because part of Pensacola to get onto Pensacola Beach, you have to go through a toll road, and they've got it uh, different than the connector up uh, your neck of the woods tonight, Phil. With you being up in Clemson, they actually you don't pay a fee when you go through. They just send you a bill based on your license plate. So yeah. we're awaiting that. So I have no idea how much I owe the state of Florida. But, yeah, I had a good time down there. Basketball didn't go very well. Coastal lost both the men and the women's games in the uh, first round that they played. So that wasn't the best part. But good to be back home and good to be back on the air. And you guys, I, I thought, did a ter- terrific job over the weekend. A lot of fun stuff to cover. And Yeah, you're right about the Gamecocks. I mean, if they're going to brag, this is the year to do it. I mean, it has been a long time since they've held the upper hand on the Tigers on so many different avenues, whether women's basketball is sort of the norm now, but also men's basketball, now baseball and football too. Yeah, take advantage of it because it has been a while. Yeah, yeah, and uh, believe me, they put out the tweet to remind everybody, and they uh, lit up the uh, Capstone building uh, last night and um, had it glowing garnet to celebrate the SEC Women's Championship and the men's victory in the baseball series. The baseball series was fantastic. Uh, It never disappoints. Uh, even though we had about a two-hour rain delay on Friday at Clemson after a, a deluge, they did a great job of getting the field ready, and the place was packed with Clemson fans, about 4,500. Then to Greenville, where the atmosphere was off the charts. That Greenville stop is always fantastic, and they, they had over 7,200 for that one. And then uh, a sellout in Columbia, 82-42, I think it is. So about 20,000 fans combined at the three spots to watch that series and uh south carolina moving up in the polls they've got a really good team i i you know i said back in the preseason that uh, they've got a chance with the pitching uh and they won the series despite the fact that their number one starter will sanders did not have a good outing against clemson uh, on friday night he gave up a couple of home runs he uh, gave up three doubles so five extra base hits off of him Uh, So he was not at his best, but the rest of the pitching staff, uh, well, especially on Sunday, and, of course, um, for the first four or five innings on Saturday, it was a pitcher's duel, and then the offenses just took over, and uh, South Carolina displayed the power that's made it the number one home run hitting team Mm -hmm. in the country to this point, and they they played the long ball with the Tigers, and and that won out. Um, And then, of course, over in Greenville, at uh, the arena there, the USC women took care of their business, and Smitty was there for that, Matt Smith, and he joins us to spend a few minutes talking about the USC women and what he saw from them and 
uh, what he can expect from them moving forward into the NCAA tournament. Smitty, great to have you with us. What did you think of the weekend there in Greenville, the SEC tournament in general, and the Gamecocks in particular? Well, like you mentioned about uh, the baseball atmosphere, tremendous atmosphere, and, of course, you owe that to the Gamecock fans. Uh, not to say other teams didn't bring fans, but this was almost a home court advantage, and that's what Don Staley said in her post-game comments. She said, this is like home court for us, and every coach, uh, opposing coach in their post-game said the same thing, but in, in women's basketball, they didn't, you know, they weren't, they weren't kind of crying about it. They were saying, I love this. I love that this kind of following is there, and the coaches essentially, Kelly Harper for Tennessee, and, and everybody was simply saying, this is what we want. This is what we want. We want this kind of atmosphere for big games, and, uh, and of course, everybody also just gave Dawn Staley and Aaliyah Boston and Victoria, Sa- Victoria Saxton and Zaya Cook and everybody, just their props, simply just cannot believe how good this team is when they are dialed in. I was super impressed, too. You know, I was on the show Friday kind of previewing some of this, and I said, you know, there are vulnerabilities. You know, a team could come in and light it up. They were out-rebounded by Stanford earlier in the season, but I don't know. The way they're playing now, the fact that they are so deep. I think in all three of my stories I may have used the phrase – uh, depth and defensive versatility because it showed up time and again. And I was trying to think as I was watching the games over the weekend, kind of an analog, if you're, you know, because I knew I'd be back on the show to talk about how great this team is, the greatness of this particular group of players. What's the analog for those that might be fans of the, the sport, but uh, of basketball, but don't really watch a lot of this team? They remind me so much of the Spurs dynasty. And and the thing about the Spurs dynasty that made them so special was the selflessness. And that came from the top down. And that is exactly what this team exudes. Aaliyah Boston gave her tournament MVP trophy to Kiara Fletcher, who'd been injured and couldn't play in the championship game. They deflect all the time. They share the ball. The numbers are big for Aaliyah Boston. They can be big for Victoria Saxton, who had 19 points in the semifinal. They can be big for Zaya Cook, who had 24 points and three steals in the championship game. But you know what? Zaya Cook was one of 10 in the first game, and it didn't matter. Her teammates picked her up, and she still did her job defensively. They share the ball. They play with such energy defensively even if it doesn't lead to anything on their stat line, nothing they can brag about. It is all about the team. I don't know how Don Staley has done that, but it is exactly the way you want a basketball team to play with this type of selflessness. So I kept coming back to that term, selflessness, time and again. And, and to me, what it reminded me of just as a fan of the sport of basketball is the way the Spurs used to play. Zia Cook is similar to Tony Parker and – Bree Beal defends like Bruce Bowen, and Aaliyah Boston is the leader like Tim Duncan, and Victoria Saxton provides what David Robinson provided. So if if you were a fan of basketball 20 years ago and you remember that team, they do to the other teams what the Spurs used to do, which is they take your soul away because you've got them where you want them. You're only down five. You're only down six. Tennessee was down six at halftime. The second half – Dawn Staley just pushed a couple buttons, just inserted Raven Johnson in and said, hey, go harass this guard. Just do this. Pulled Aaliyah Boston off the court at times, and guess what happened? Camila Cardozo took over because she had a mismatch against uh, down low against Tennessee. So this team seems to always make the right play, always be where they're supposed to be, and they're always playing for each other. 
I don't know. Again, I'll, I'll say, I don't know that they're going to be able to finish this off because I think women's basketball, some of the teams at the top like Stanford and Virginia Tech and Indiana are very, very, very good. And anybody could have a bad day. But win or lose in the NCAA tournament, this is the best women's basketball team I've seen. I didn't follow it back when, you know, UConn and Tennessee were really killing it. But I think this team's even better than the, the Baylor team that went undefeated a handful of seasons ago. So wow. The yeah. advantage they've got, too, guys, is they're not going to lose the next four games. So they're not going to be challenged until the Final Four in Dallas because nobody is going to beat them in Columbia for sure because they're going to play two overwhelmed teams the first two rounds. And no one, even if they get a team like, say, a Virginia Tech committee, because I agree with you, they've, they've turned it around and are playing some very good basketball. And I think they'll be seated inside uh, Carolina's re- excuse me, the Greenville Regional, but it might as well be the Carolina Regional. But who's going to beat them in that building? On a neutral floor, it's just I don't think it's going to happen. And the one thing you, you talked about the Spurs, and I think that's an incredible comparison. But the one thing about them, too, I think they're better this year offensively than they were last year, and they're still just as good defensively. And that's a scary, scary thought. In in your comparison, Smitty, who's big shot Rob? Is that Letitia and me here? Hmm. Uh, yes, and, and that's another thing. I, how many names do I, did I throw out? And I'm, I miss Letitia Amir, and she was probably the best player on the floor in the semifinal game. Uh, she was so good on both ends of the floor, and that's what that's what Dawn Staley has right now. I, I heard Carolyn Peck, who uh, was a championship winning coach at, at Purdue, I heard one thing she said about Dawn Staley, which is the the way she's assembled this team, it's like a poker hand. She can just she's got a decent hand, but she can turn two cards in and try two more to see if she can improve her hand. She can take players like Aaliyah Boston and Zaya Cook off the floor. And she's got great energetic players coming off the bench, you know, like Letitia Amir or Raven Johnson, and they go out there and they make plays. In the fourth quarter of the semifinals, the game was over and we're all kind of starting to write our headlines and everything, and South Carolina destroyed, just absolutely dismantled Ole Miss in the last 10 minutes with the second team. Just simply, you know, Don Staley can't call off the dogs. They're all dogs. They're all ballers. So it, it was very, very impressive. I was impressed. The crowd was great. Uh, for anybody that just d- didn't see it and you haven't followed women's basketball, you might want to give this team a chance because they're fun to watch. All right, so we'll hear from the coaches coming up. Mark Kingston here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Brad Brownell from Clemson. Uh, Don Staley from USC. Mark Kingston from USC, as I mentioned. Uh, and Dabo Sweeney from Clemson. A couple of notes to pass along from up here today. First, from Brad Brownell. First thing he said today was that uh, Alex Hemingway, his senior guard, had an emergency appendectomy this morning. And so he's out for the ACC tournament. And who knows how long he'll be out trying to recover from that. And of course, he's been dealing with a foot problem for much of the seasons. Cost him a lot of games. He's just come back and uh, gotten healthy enough to where he can play. He actually doesn't practice hardly at all. He's got that uh, plantar fasciitis situation going on with a foot. So he's not able to practice. They try to get him healthy enough so he can play in games and may- maybe help them. So he is out for the ACC tournament. As for football, Dabo Sweeney listed these players who will be out or at best limited in the spring. Bo College, Brody Kahn, Sheridan Jones, Matthew Maloney, Peyton Page, Rook Orororo, Walker Parks, Adam Randall, Marcus Tate, uh, Xavier Thomas, uh, Paul Tyson has a thumb injury. It's going to keep him out for a while. 
Troy Stilato still not 100% coming off his knee. Jalen Phillips had ankle surgery after the season, so he is out or limited at the very least. Uh, And John Williams had his appendix removed, so he's out for a little bit. And then the sad news that Jeremiah Trotter's mother passed away after a battle with breast cancer. Uh, He is back on campus. Obviously, he was home with the family. He is back on campus, but will be leaving this weekend for the funeral for his mother up in uh, Philadelphia. So uh, those are some of the um, personnel situations that Dabo Sweeney's dealing with going into the start of spring practice. Okay, uh, let's hit the break, and uh, we'll come back and uh, continue to uh, talk amongst ourselves. And also, we'll take your phone calls. I know you got a lot to say. We'll work in as many calls as we can. As we move on through the program tonight, you know the number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number here to Sports Talk. And since 2002, more than $2.2 billion in lottery proceeds has been used to fund life scholarships for the state's college-bound students. Learn more about the South Carolina Education Lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash educationwins and playing for fun is a win for education. Okay, dial us up. We'll hear from you. Mark Kingston coming up. Uh, Brad Brownell, Dabo Sweeney, Dawn Staley, and recruiting. And we'll be back. South Carolina's largest hunting, fishing, and outdoor expo takes center stage at the Palmetto Sportsman's Classic sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance. Come on down for a good time with over 350 vendors, dog dogs competition, extreme raptor show, kids catfish pond and much more family fun hope to see you at the classic march the 24th through the 26th at the south carolina state fairgrounds have you turned on the fun try cash pop from the south carolina education lottery pick one number from one to 15 win up to twenty five hundred dollars or play all 15 numbers and you're guaranteed to win. Play twice a day to double your fun. It really is that easy. Visit sceducationlottery.com to get the details. Cash pop. It's the light of the party. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax. Win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. the weather in South Carolina absolutely gorgeous and you can only think of one thing when it's this nice and that is let's go to the beach and get ready for your summer vacation or maybe you want to get away for a little uh, spring at the beach in a couple of weeks or maybe this weekend whatever the case may be give our man Jimmy Smith a call at James Smith Real Estate 843-237-4246 
Let Jimmy and the staff work with you to find exactly what you need at the right price for you. He won't break your budget. He'll give you exactly what you're looking for. Pauly's Vacation Rentals.com. Pauly's Island is the place. Jimmy the Man. 843 237 4246. Make your plans now for your perfect beach getaway. Who doesn't want to get to the beach, the coast? of South Carolina. Uh, Smitty lives down there. You can go by and see Smitty when you're uh, along the coast. And if you're driving through Sardis in the PD, you can stop by and say hello to Bergie. He'll be happy to uh, take you in for uh, an overnight stay if necessary. All right. Uh, Our poll question of the week has to do with Clemson basketball. Having never won the ACC tournament, hard to believe this is what, year 70 or so? Uh, The Tigers are the number three seed this week. And how do you expect them to fare in Greensboro? Got 144 votes in this afternoon, 46.5%. See the Tigers reaching the semifinals. Uh, 45.1% say they lose Thursday night to either NC State, Virginia Tech, or Notre Dame. Uh, We got 4.9% who believe the Tigers will win it all. And 3.5% say they lose in the title game. Well, making it to the title game would be the second time they would have reached the title game. They they played North Carolina a few years ago in Charlotte in the championship game. So uh, making the championship game would be quite the accomplishment. But, you know, they wanna, they'd want to they love to win it all. And uh, the question is, uh, Chris and Smitty, uh, boy, you know, it's like Brad Brownell said, I think, I think Brad Brownell said this today. He's like, you finish third in the ACC, uh, you kind of feel like you should be in pretty good shape as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned. But all the experts, all the pundits who seem to know everything still don't believe in them as an NCAA tournament team yet, still on the bubble. Smitty, I don't know how you feel, but I still think Clemson has work to do, and it's unfortunate. First off, I've long believed, and I've seen it happen enough that it's given me reason for this. South Carolina and Clemson, first off, have to do more than most teams. You put Clemson's resume with the Duke name beside it, they're in the tournament. We're not even talking about them being in the tournament. But the problem is Clemson doesn't have the tradition. South Carolina doesn't have the tradition. So I, I feel like our state gets kind of looked over in basketball, and sometimes you have to do more. But secondly, it's and this is really true, it's a lot more difficult to overcome bad losses than it is to get credit for good wins. And Clemson has a really, really good resume if you take out those quad four losses. And it's just a situation. Those are the albatross hanging around their neck, Smitty. And I think they have got to win Thursday, whomever they play. If they get to the semifinals, I think they're in the tournament. If they lose Thursday, probably going to the NIT. And that would be a major disappointment Mm, after mm, the season mm. they've had. Well, I I echo your thoughts, Chris, about, uh, you know, Clemson perhaps having to do more than most teams. And Brad Brownell said this about a week ago that – uh, you know, sometimes you get this narrative the ACC's down just because, you know, maybe Clemson and Miami and Pitt are close to the top instead of uh, your customary Duke, North Carolina, and, and maybe Syracuse. But I, I would say this as well. Clemson, as great as it is to get the double bye, you know, that means their first opponent's going to be a tougher one. Mm-hmm. Um you know, if they'd have been the fifth seed, they might have had a chance. Then you, you might add to the resume, get that 23rd win against a team you'd have been favored, you know, almost to double digits in that game. But whatever the case, I really can't believe Clemson finishes 14-6 in the ACC and doesn't go to the NCAA tournament. I know what the net ranking says. I think when they get into that room, I, I've got to believe 
that Clemson's resume is going to stand up. I mean, they're talking about Wisconsin going, and they're 16 and 13. I don't see how you take – I know the Big Ten's good. I know what the net ranking says. I think when you lay it all out and you go back and you recap the season and you look at how well Clemson has played recently, by the way, does recency mean anything the way you're playing heading into the, heading into the tournament? Clemson has played really well in the last two weeks. I think they just need one more, and they are a shoe-in for the NCAA tournament. I think, I think if, if North Carolina wins a couple games in the ACC tournament and goes instead of Clemson, they mm. should launch an NCAA investigation. <laughs> there should be a riot. Well, I know for one, one thing that, because um, I was at Little John today, <clears throat> the Tigers have no interest in the NIT. It's NCAA. I mean, they've, they've taken down the baskets. they pulled up the floor. they put an, an ice rink inside Little John Coliseum. So they have no interest in hosting an NIT game. Of course, I'm kidding about that. But you know they don't want to host an NIT game. That would just be the worst insult. Okay, Mark Kingston coming up after the break. Welcome back, everybody, to Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network for this Monday night. Phil Kornblut here at Clemson. We have Chris Bergen with us from the Bergy Palace in Sardis. And Matt Smith is with us from his um, humble, humble, um, his humble estate there in the uh, the Georgetown, uh, Pauley's Island, Myrtle Beach area. So it's good to have everybody with us tonight. In just a couple of moments, we'll have... Mark Kingston, USC baseball coach, joining us. Of course, he's had a great weekend, enjoying the fruits of the victory over Clemson. It's always good to beat the rival. And uh, for Mark Kingston, after being swept last year by Clemson, to turn it around and defeat the Tigers uh, as they did, and to do so soundly at home on Sunday in front of the uh, Gamecock faithful, well, that was a very big moment for uh, all of them. And the Gamecocks look Pretty, pretty good here in the early going of the season. Uh, they are 11-1, um, and one, and they're moving up in the national polls. If they can keep their pitching healthy, not lose any of their uh, key regular players as well, I think they've got a chance to have a very fine season, uh, get themselves in position to where they not only make the uh, – NCAA tournament, but host a regional and go on from there. With all that being said, we do now have the coach of the Gamecocks with us, Coach Mark Kingston, our traditional interview with the winning coach coming off the baseball weekend series. It goes with uh, the Gamecocks this time, and Coach Kingston is joining us. Thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on the big series win over the weekend. Um, What do you think it says about your club? the way you went out and took care of business against the Tigers. Well, thanks, Phil, number one, for having me on. Uh, it was an exciting weekend. It was great to see crowds on both sides. I, th- I thought all three games were really electric. The, it was loud in Clemson on Friday night, and I thought that really gave them you know, a, a pretty good boost uh, as a home field advantage. Floor field on Saturday was awesome. It was packed. It was loud. Um, it, it was electric. And then Founders Park yesterday was as good as I've seen since I've been here. So a really good weekend. What it says about our team is I just think it continues to show that we can do a lot of good things on a ball field. Uh, we can pitch at a very high level at most of the time. Um, we've got elite power most of the time. Um, 
I'd like to see our defense tighten up a little bit, and I think it will. Um, but I, I just think it shows this weekend that, that we can do a lot of things at a very high level, um, and it showed that we can bounce back from a little adversity. It's hard to win a series like this when you lose the first game. So to do it in the manner we did, uh, very happy and very proud for the guys. Well, I'll tell you, so many high moments for you in the two wins on Saturday and Sunday. I, a lot of things stand out to me, the power at the plate, the power on the mound, and really um, your pitching yesterday, Hicks coming in after uh, Mahoney started and uh, and Hicks just coming in and mowing down the Tigers, especially over those last three innings. Uh, that's very impressive. So what are your plans for him moving forward? Does he stay in that role or you find a bigger role for him? Well, we'll continue to evaluate it, and it's hard to say you can have a bigger role than throwing five innings in a conference deci- or a, a series deciding game. You know what? He actually threw more than the starting pitcher yesterday, so uh, I think that's a very valuable role. As you know, your bullpen can determine your season. Oftentimes, uh, if you have good starting pitching, but every time you take your starter out after the sixth inning, you've got to sweat it out. That, that makes for a long, tough season. So to have him back there right now is probably the right move for us. It doesn't mean we wouldn't change it or couldn't change it in the future, but to have weapons out of the bullpen, that's just so important. Um, I think every great team you look at over the years had weapons coming out of the bullpen because you just you need to win games uh, when you have leads late, uh, number one, because you've got to accumulate as many wins as you can. But when you lose games late, it can become demoralizing for a team. So having him as a weapon back there, I think Eli Jerzenbeck showed that he can be a legit weapon the way he pitched on Friday night in a very hostile environment. And then you add those two guys along with the Beckers, uh, the Kate Austins, the Chris Beaches, you know, I think it makes for a very strong bullpen. I also think it says something, too, that you, you lost the first game and Will Sanders pitched in that one, and uh, you can assess his performance. He gave up a couple of home runs. He gave up three doubles. So uh, they were getting some good swings off of him, but you managed to you know bounce back after your number one starter loses. What did you think of Will on Friday night? What did you see from him? And um, are, you, are you happy with where he is right now with the, how he's throwing the ball? I think he needs to get better. Uh, and I think he will get better. He he knows it. Coach Parker knows it. We all know it. He can and will be much better. Um, the key for him so far is just the fastball command. Uh, he's had command. He's had control, but not command. What I mean by that is he's throwing strikes, but you want to command the ball within the strike zone. So a, a strike in the middle of the plate is a lot different than a strike down and away. Um, and he's just throwing too many balls in the middle of the plate right now. And I think you look at the difference between him and James Hicks, for example. Um, Will's velocity is probably three miles an hour faster. But James's ball is moving a little bit more right now, and his location has been much better, which is why he's had a lot more success so far this season than Will. Um, but we know Will has a very high ceiling. We know Will can be dominant when he's right. So just needs to keep working. I think we need to remember he missed all fall. Um, and didn't pitch last summer, so he's still he's still getting back into the groove of things and finding himself. So uh, he's one of the things that you know we're, we're optimistic that we've gotten off to a good start, but that's without him really being at the top of his game yet. I still think Jack Mahoney has a big improvement curve because he's pitching for the first time after a year off, and I look at guys like Carson Horning who are just starting to get started. So. As, as well as we've played so far, I still think there's optimism because there's still a lot of room for growth. 
Talk with Mark Kingston, USC baseball coach. It must feel good, though, to be sitting in the bullpen knowing that uh, you've always got the capability of coming from behind because of the power in your lineup. And, I mean, that was the case on uh, Saturday when you had to come from behind and you and you used your power uh, to do so. Then you used your power to, to go ahead and put it away on Sunday. Um, can, can this team continue to swing the bats from a power standpoint the way it has to this point? Well, the interesting thing, Phil, is in my experience here, we generally hit for more power the second half of the season than we do the first because of the weather. Um, a lot of times the wind is blowing in, and it was it was breezing in on Sunday or else we might have had five or six homers. Um, we hit a, three or four more that were caught at the, at the top of the wall. Um, so I think, I think the power is real that we have. I, I don't know that we'll hit three a game all year because when you start to play SEC pitching, it's hard to bank on hitting three homers a game. But we've got some real power hitters in our lineup. You look at Cassis, you look at McGillis, you look at Petri, you look at Denny, you look at Messina. I mean, these are these guys. These guys are real power hitters. They hit the ball very hard. Um, the ball comes off their bat uh, very hot most of the time. So uh, we've got guys that are legitimate power hitters. So how how long that continues, we'll see. But I just think we show up every day, and as as we we call it, you have a puncher's chance. Um, even if you're behind late, you can still get hot and, and, and start to bang some balls out of the ballpark. And if your bullpen keeps you close, then you can you always have a chance to win. Sure, sure. UNC head baseball coach Mark Kingston with us here tonight. Gamecocks coming off a, a series win over their rivals at Clemson over the weekend. And Coach, you referenced a couple of minutes ago you'd like to see your defense tighten up just a touch. In a perfect world, I'm sure you'd never never want to commit an error. But right now sitting at a 968 fielding percentage in your mind, where should this team be when the season's over? Do you want to be up over, over 980? What's a good fielding percentage, do you think, for your club? I think 972 is generally uh, SEC average. I'd like to see us in that 974, 975 range. I think we're more than capable of doing that. I think Wimmer's an elite shortstop. McGillis has always been a very solid defender. Um, so I, I think I think we should be in that 970 four range i'd be fine with that you know to go along with our hitting and our pitching mcgillis made some tremendous plays for you in the field over the weekend you can kind of overlook maybe some of the bad with some of the spectacular plays he's been able to make for you as well well you can but again the the routine play we want to dominate the routine play we want every time a pitcher uh gets a hitter to hit a ball that should be an out we want it to be an out and we We've just had a couple plays, you know, yesterday, for example, Jack threw away a double play ball and we've just, there's some plays that we just have gotten a little sloppy on. And it's just something that, you know, we have to continue to clean up. We need to continue to stress to our guys about taking care of the ball, much like an offense in football would, would stress taking care of the ball and not, not fumbling and not being careless. So uh, we played great defense all fall, all spring. Um, I just think there's been a few things that got away from us so far in the, in the year that I think will clean, clean themselves up and iron themselves out. Listening to some of your post-game comments over the weekend, I get a sense you're awfully proud of the job Gavin Cassis has done and batting at 308 and seven home runs already to lead your club. But brought up an interesting story about uh, you had to almost take a, a gamble on him because he didn't play a whole lot at Vanderbilt. So maybe what did you guys see in him that made you comfortable enough to bring him to South Carolina? Well, he was a guy coming out of Florida. Obviously, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in Florida, both at the University of Miami and the University of South Florida. 
So I've got a lot of a lot of people down there that we know and that we can trust. Um, he was coming out coming out of high school a few years ago. He was a highly regarded uh, hitter. His older brother was a first round pick of the Red Sox and currently plays in the major leagues with the Red Sox. So he came from a good baseball family. He came from a, a really good you know baseball area in South Florida. Um, went off to Vanderbilt as a highly regarded hitter, and it just for whatever reason didn't click for him. Had some injuries that he battled through, and just never really got consistent playing time, um, and got the oppor- never got the opportunities to really you know show what he could do. Um, because of the homework we did, we watched a lot of video and we just really liked how the swing looked. Um, and he had played in some USA events with some of our guys, uh, and they spoke to his, you know, his character and that he would fit in with the the kind of culture we wanted to have. Uh, and we just said, you know what, regardless of the fact that he wasn't a starter very much at Vanderbilt, this may be a guy that can really help us. And so that's why we say we took a little bit of a leap of faith because he's not one of these transfer portal guys that had hit 330 with 12 homers somewhere else. You kind of had to say maybe a change of scenery uh, will really help him and he can and he can take off. And, you know, so far that's exactly what's happened. All right, last couple of moments here with USC baseball coach Mark Kingston. they got a busy week coming up, got a five-game week. But we talked about, this with you at the press conference yesterday, and I think this is something you might have touched on earlier in the year, but uh, you you seem to have kind of a, not that you were ever grumpy or nasty or anything like that, I'm not suggesting that, but you seem to have a, the world doesn't seem to be on your shoulder kind of approach to this point in the season, and is this a, a different mental approach that you're you're taking, or is it the result of having a, a, a club you think is pretty good where you don't have to sweat the small stuff with this group? Well, it's probably both. Uh, again, every year that passes as a coach, you know, is one less year you'll have on the back end of your career. So I'm to the point now where I want to try to enjoy it as much as I can um, because, again, you know, it's, it's very – privileged and fortunate to do what I absolutely love to do. I love, I get to do it in a place that I love to be. And yes, this is a place where there, it can be pretty weighty. And when you're not, when it's not going well for your team, you can feel it a little bit, but I just have tried to do the best I could to rely on my faith and say, you know what, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, we were brought here for a reason. So let's just, let's just kind of turn it over to the big man upstairs and let him worry about the results and let's just enjoy this process uh with the players with your coaches that i you know that i love very much right now and i think the fact that we have a good team just makes it that much easier to to really go full full bore ahead with that so i think it's a combination of all those things phil well i know your first team at south carolina got to within one game of omaha uh, and that was a team that you kind of walked into. I don't remember exactly how many of the players you inherited and how many you had a chance to bring in. Um, but is this team the best team you've had top to bottom since you've been at South Carolina, or would you say that first one that came so close to Omaha is still the best one? You know, it's, it's probably too early to say that yet. I, I need to see us play some more. But in terms of feeling really good about all the areas of our team, I'd say it's got to be right up there and, don't forget that 18 team, you know, it took a long time for us to hit our stride. Um, We lost a lot of midweek games that year. Um, Midway through the year, we were not in great shape. I think we started the SEC one and five that year, Um, but we finished winning. I think, I think we won 12 of our last 18 SEC games and then just really played well in the postseason. So um, this team is playing better earlier on, um, but 
that team, we really found our stride uh, midway through. So I'm hoping that this team continues to get better each week, just like that team did. And if it does, then we may do some special things. Okay, sir. Hey, thank you for the visit. Um, oh, by the way, who's starting for you uh, tomorrow and Wednesday? You know, I, we we have a good idea who that's going to be. I don't know that we've officially announced it yet. Um, okay. I just want to double check everything with our staff. Um, but uh, that that should come out, if not tonight, probably first thing tomorrow. All right. Well, again, thank you for being with us. Uh, congratulations. I know the uh, and every coach at South Carolina Clemson, from Tanner to Leggett to Lee to you, will say the the series does it make or break your season. Because a lot of baseball to be played, of course, and we've seen teams go different ways whether they win the, the series or not. But it's still it's important in our state for that weekend, and uh, it's, I'm sure it feels good to you to be on the winning side of it this time around, and it gives you a chance to kind of enjoy things uh, moving forward and get things ready for SEC play coming up. Yeah, it does. It's a lot easier to go to the grocery store uh, when you win this weekend. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a great weekend, and you know now as much as we enjoyed it, now we've got to refocus and, and get ready for Tuesday. We thank you, sir. Uh, good luck this week. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, coach. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Okay, Mark Kingston, USC baseball coach. I'm sure he got a lot of attaboys. <laughs> well, as he was Phil- uh, walking down the aisles at the grocery store. Well, you know, we're on the reverse end of hearing from Gamecock fans throughout last year and how disappointed they have been with the baseball program. I'm not sure there's anybody who needed that series any more than Mark Kingston. This is a good feather in his cap moving forward. And for what it's worth, Gamecocks Online, they actually have their probable pitching rotation for this week. Now, whether or not Coach agrees with this or not, but the uh, USC website has Eli Jones going tomorrow night and Matthew Becker pitching on Wednesday. Okay, okay, very good. The ACC a little while ago announced the uh, all-conference team for this year. The official league uh, honors uh, handed out. And so you have the individual honors. The player of the year is Isaiah Wong of Miami. Had 38 to make that 30 votes. Tyree Appleby of Wake Forest, 23. Baycott of North Carolina was next. And then Hunter Tyson, he got four votes for player of the year. Uh, Rookie of the year is Kyle Filipowski from Duke. The uh, coach of the year, Jeff Capel from Pitt. Brad Brunel got six votes to finish third. That's crazy. How how do you not reward the job that that Brad Brunel did? They were preseason, what, 11th Mm -hmm. in the ACC? Did anybody watch them play? (laughs) He did a terrific job with that club this year. Yep. Uh, Defensive player of the year uh, is um, Reese Beekman from Virginia. Most improved player is Quentin Post, Boston College. And sixth man of the year is Nikkei Sabande from Pitts. Am I pronouncing that right? Not familiar with him, even though he plays for Pitt. Nike Sabande, his first name is spelled N-I-K-E. So anyway, he gets the sixth man of the year. And your all-conference first team is Wong and Baycott and Appleby. Uh, Tyson makes first team. And Jamarius Burton of Pitts on the second team. And then uh, P.J. Hall of Clemson makes the uh, third team. So um, I could argue that he should be higher than third team. Yeah, I would agree. You watch him play as well. But then again, everybody would say, well, who's he going to bounce? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that's Phil the Pat story Rodder from the ACC. Really- 
And Pat brought up a really good point. As as lowly ranked as Clemson was in a preseason, Pitt was picked 14th. So mm-hmm. both he yeah. and Cape will probably have a pretty good argument for Coach of the Year. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, we'll hold it here uh, before uh, we hit the top of the hour. It'll be tight on the break, so we'll hold that over till uh, the second hour. We'll hear from Dabo Sweeney coming up. Uh, we'll also hear from oh, – we've got a few comments from um, – uh, Clemson baseball coach Eric Backich coming off the loss. He was um, pretty straightforward after the uh, game la- uh, yesterday. Um, you know, Caden Grice uh, was uh, tossed from the game on Saturday, late in the game on Saturday for arguing a uh, called strike three. He'd had some earlier conversations with the umpire as well, so he was uh, kicked out of the ball game, and as a result, he had to sit out the Sunday game which did not help Clemson's cause because, look, they were already down a starting pitcher in Ryan Ammons. So they had to move everybody up. And they really, as Coach Backage said after the game uh, Sunday, they threw everything into winning Saturday. Yeah. Their goal was to win Saturday and uh, win the series on Saturday. They threw everything they had there. And it left them pretty in a pretty thin situation pitching-wise, especially with Grace not being available. I mean, Grice not being available. But Grice is back. You know, backish yesterday kind of sounded like it might be – he might sit him out a little while longer just from the standpoint of not being happy that that happened. But he's going to be the starting pitcher for Clemson tomorrow against East Tennessee State. But Coach Backage said he was not happy with his uh, player's body language. Uh, throughout the series, too much arguing with the umpires, too much gesturing with the umpires, and I think you'll see that end now because he is not tolerating that kind of stuff from his team. I loved his comment about we're not that bad that we need every call from the officials, and I, I think he's right. And Caden Grice, of anybody, has to know better. You have to know time and score. They talk about that in basketball a lot more than than in a, in baseball, but he had to know the scenario, and I get it. You're in the heat of the moment. You you feel like you got a bad call, but you cannot explode in that scenario and put your team in a bad position. Coach, I thought, handled it pretty well when he was asked about the impact of him not playing, especially on the mound. But also, you take out one of their best bats in the lineup going against South Carolina's pitching, which just dominated them yesterday. They could have certainly used Caden Grice in a lot of ways yesterday, and I think he really hurt his team by not maintaining his composure. Absolutely. So in the polls this week, USC moving up after the win over Clemson. Gamecocks are up three spots to 20th in the D1 baseball rankings. They're in the Baseball America poll for the first time. That's the hardest one to crack. They're number 23, and LSU, I'm sorry, USC is 25th in collegiate baseball. Uh, looking at the Joe Lenardi bracket uh, going into tonight, and by the way, we should mention we still have two teams playing right now in tournaments. you got Furman playing Chattanooga tonight in the championship game of the Southern Conference Tournament in Asheville, and that's a rematch of last year's championship game that the uh, Moccasins won in overtime at the buzzer. Of course, Lamont Paris was the coach of UTC at that time. So, you know, on the one hand, you're Furman. You won this regular season championship. Uh, you've had um, your best season ever in terms of total victories. Uh, the number two team, the number two seed was knocked out for you. And here you are facing the team that broke your heart, <laughs> broke your heart last year now you know you got to feel like if you're Furman it's our time you know things should fall our way this time just go play our level our high level of basketball and then the College of Charleston playing tonight in the semifinals of the CAA tournament as they won uh, handily last night 
And the Cougars will be taking on the Towson Tigers tonight, 8.30. You can catch that on the CBS Sports Network. The uh, Southern Conference Championship game tipping off a little bit after 7 o'clock tonight, and that will be on ESPN+. Plus. No, regular hmm. ESPN. Yeah. It's on regular, regular ESPN. ESPN. Yeah. Okay. I'm about to regular flip over ESPN. there now. As a matter of fact, I've been watching the uh, Colonial. <clears throat> okay. Good, good, good. I'm glad that it is on the regular ESPN then. I didn't see that on regular ESPN, but it is on regular ESPN. Yes, sir. And the Sunbelt think... Tournament is on regular ESPN, too. Okay. I'll take your word for it. All right, what else have I got here? Uh, Joe Lenardi has Clemson still in the first four-out category of his latest bracketology. Of course, Furman will get in with a win tonight, and they he projects them as a 14 seed, and he still has the College of Charleston. He does not believe the Cougars are going to win the CAA. I guess he believes Hofstra is going to win Hofstra, yeah. the CAA. Um, in, in talking with Brad Brownell today, like we said, um, he obviously believes his team has a body of work that is – good enough to get them into the tournament. But here's the thing, too. We asked him this question. He didn't have much to say about it. But, you know, this Thursday could determine his future at Clemson because if they lose on Thursday and they don't make the tournament, then Graham Neff is in a position as the athletics director to have to go back and make a decision after basically saying after last year, got to make the tournament this year. Mm -hmm. And um, this, this is – I don't know that that has creeped into the Clemson locker room as far as any additional pressure on them to try to ensure that there are no off-season changes. I mean, the players were asked about playing for Brad Brownell. And, you know, to a player today, the ones that I heard, um, you know, they love playing for him. They don't want to have anything happen or see any kind of change at Clemson. So, and you know what? I'm not sure it'd be a smart move because of the players you'd lose if you did make that change. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, busy hour number two. Let's get right into it. Been promising some phone calls, so let's uh, jump into the to the phone lines, and then we'll have more for you uh, coming up from some people, Dabo Sweeney, Brad Brownell, uh, Don Staley, and a uh, little Eric Backish as well. 888-898-2525 is our phone number. Let's go to Hank in Columbia. First up with us tonight, Hank, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing fine, Corn. I was calling. I was listening um, on Friday when they were talking about South Carolina and, and their, their vulnerabilities. But um, if you were up there this weekend, um, as they, uh, the most of the analysts kept on saying, South Carolina shown this year they can kind of beat you any way you want to play. If you want to play in the 40s, they'll do it that way. If you want to go high scoring, they'll do it that way. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the things that uh, South Carolina has that none of the other teams have this year is South Carolina's defense and their offense both rank in the top eight in the country. I think their defense is like number second to somebody, Troy or something, one of the small schools, and their offense is ranked number six or seventh in the country. And so they can, they can go. That's why a lot of them are saying this team is so much stronger than even the championship team from last year. 
because they uh, they average up into the 80s in offense. And, of course, their defense is always there. And as Smitty mentioned, uh, the other night when South Carolina emptied the bench against um, uh, Ole Miss in that 30-point victory, the last four, the last four girls that went in, it, um, in that game, it was like three of them were McDonald's All-Americans who sat all the way down at the end of the bench. <laughs> so uh, we're looking forward to to the tournament. And if, if people say pressure's rain on them, it sure doesn't look like it. No, they don't seem bothered by the winning streak or bothered by anything. They seem loose and fancy-free and enjoying the moment. And, and why shouldn't they? And, yeah, there's plenty of talent on that team, and more talent is on the way. I don't know, and thank you for the call, Hank. I don't know, guys, that um, they'll ever match the collection of talented big people like they have on this team. Getting this group together the way they have, like Ami here and Cordosa and, of course, Boston in particular, those three. Hmm. I mean, I remember when they had Coates and when they had Wilson together for a short time, Mm -hmm. and they were a dynamic duo but three of them who can all play at a high level like this at the same time, that is some luxury. Well, and Don Staley talked about it yesterday, or it may have been after the old Miss game, about how versatile uh, Leticia Mihir is because she calls her a point forward because she can play all five positions on the floor. There's not another player, I don't think, in, in women's college basketball that has, that's that versatile. Not, I don't want to use this comparison, but I think people who don't watch the women's game will understand. She's almost like a LeBron James. She can go down in the post if necessary, but she can also run points. And that's, that's nearly impossible to defend, Phil, because you just mm-hmm. don't see players of her size being able to handle the ball the way she does and also being able to go inside and post up. And uh, <clears throat> If Zaya Cook shoots it as well as she did, uh, especially at, at times over the weekend, I, I don't know how you stop them. I, re, I really don't. They're averaging 81 points a game, and as Hank pointed out, they rank inside the top ten in both scoring defense and, and scoring offense. They're nearly impossible to defend, and especially when they've got that home court push behind them, which they'll have in the first four of the six games they would have to win in the NCAA tournament. I, I just don't, I don't see anybody stopping them until they get to the Final Four if they, if they run into difficulty. Yeah, good point. Of course, you've got to wait and see <clears throat> who works their way into Greenville along with right. them. That's going to be kind of fun because they are – they're going to have, like, the Elite Eight, the Sweet 16, and the Elite Eight for this half of the country all in Greenville, mm-hmm. right? They've cut it down Correct. to two locations. So you're going to have two versions of that taking place in Greenville and two versions of that taking place somewhere else, wherever it happens to be. I think it's Stanford, uh, one, if I'm not mistaken. It's out west. I think that's Stanford? the other okay. side. The uh, SEC today, we need to mention this, the SEC uh, put out their uh, postseason basketball awards. And so from the SEC, the coach of the year, Buzz Williams and Jerry Stackhouse, they are co-coaches of the year. Player of the year, Brandon Miller from Alabama. Scholar athlete is Kobe Brown of Missouri. Yeah, freshman of the year is Brandon Miller of Alabama. Co-sixth man of the year is Javon Quinterly from Alabama and Antonio Reeves of Kentucky, and Defensive Player of the Year is Liam Robbins from Vanderbilt. And Let me back up Seattle. I beg your pardon, Seattle's the Seattle. regional okay. site for the uh, women. USC's uh, G.G. Jackson made the um, all-freshman team. That's the only mention of the Gamecocks on the awards teams this year from the SEC. Uh, though I do like the Gamecocks' chances of winning on Wednesday. I Smitty's agree. headed to Nashville on Wednesday. I'll be in Greensboro Wednesday. Uh, but I do like Clem- – I mean, the Gamecocks' chances of beating Ole Miss, I think, are maybe better than 
They've beaten them before, and they played mm-hmm. better. This team, for whatever reason, of course, they finally won a home game in the calendar year of 2023, beating Georgia. Uh, and for whatever reason, this team plays a heck of a lot better on the road away from Columbia. So, you know, maybe that will help them uh, win over Ole Miss on uh, Wednesday night. We go to um, Tom in Myrtle Beach next up here on Sports Talk. And, Tom, welcome in. How are you? Thank you. You were just uh, mentioning the South Carolina men's team. And I just wanted to offer this perspective of all the coaches and all the teams the one that I think has far surpassed, uh, surpassed what their reasonable expectations was, was what Lamont Paris has done with that men's basketball team. That is not anything close to an SEC roster. And then the one, you know, he, he brought in, you know, a star player, but then had a crisis, a potential crisis in the middle of the year, but he held him. You know, he stayed firm. Coach Paris did. He disciplined the young man, and the young man seemed to respond to it. And they are no longer a bottom feeder of the SEC. You you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think haven't they won like three of their last six SEC games? And and with that roster, to be Clemson, who I think should be an NCAA team, to be Kentucky, Kentucky, to come that close to beating Alabama, who's going to be I guess the number one seed. And you know, and I guess the other thing I like about Coach Paris, just the decorum on the sidelines. I'm not against Coach Martin. But it just seems to be much uh, more enjoyable to watch him interact with his players and, and to you know, teach them and get on him when he has to. But it's just a contrast from the somewhat, you know, uh, in-your-face yelling and screaming stuff that went on before. But I, it's overlooked and maybe rightfully so. But I think Coach Paris, if he can recruit, that men's basketball team is headed in the right direction. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, three and four down the stretch, the Gamecocks went. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think, A, he handled the Jackson thing, uh, in my opinion, uh, extremely uh, appropriately. Thought he did exactly what a coach should do. Uh, so I, I give him a, a big check mark for that. Uh, I think he's maintained his composure the entire year. He's tried to remain his to, to, to remain positive as, as best he can. Uh, he is definitely a different uh, style of coach from Frank Martin. And look, there's a lot <laughs> of true. different ways, a lot of different ways to get it done. Martin has his way. Uh, Paris has his way. Brownell has his way. Uh, so it all depends on the individual and, and what you, what you like or what you don't like. I, you know, I do think part of what uh, led to Frank Martin's departure from South Carolina was that his style had um, grown tiresome to people, uh, especially important people in the administration. I mean, there was just some people there that wanted him gone and wanted him gone, as we know, for a couple of years. And um, despite what he was able to do in one magical ride for them and get, getting them to the Final Four, uh, he had some other good teams along the way. Don't get me wrong. Maybe for sure they got robbed one other time when they – uh, should have been part of the NCAA tournament field. But I just think the the sideline hysterics, the profanity, the in-the-face style of coaching that his players loved. Now, you never saw players jump back at him, and they never criticized him in the public forum. I mean, when would a player do that? But they always had his back. They didn't mind it, but people – sitting in the stands and I guess, you know, people sitting in the suites who wear the suits 
after a while, if you're not winning and winning big and getting to the tournament on a regular basis, then that kind of coaching style is probably going to turn off people. Uh, you know, if you're winning, it's more acceptable, you know? I There's think no that um, – yeah, I think it's more acceptable, just like with Bobby Knight. I'm not saying he was – Exactly, perfect example. He was Bobby Knight light. You know, I don't yes. think he ever put his hands on anybody or never threw a trash can across, uh, uh, any, at, at anybody or threw a chair across the floor, though I wouldn't put it past him. But the thing about Frank, you know, Bobby Knight couldn't turn it off. I mean, he was uh, – appeared to be, in public at least, a jerk to everybody on the court and off. Frank Martin was a teddy bear off the court. <laughs> he was. True. No, he was a true – he is a media darling – He'd answer all the questions, good and bad. He would take the criticism. Um, he could turn it off, but he was just a different person on the court, and that's what the public public persona was. And um, I think it, it, I think it hurt him there in his latter years at South Carolina. And Phil, okay. to Tom's point mm-hmm. uh, quickly about Lebron Paris, every time I just love listening to his post game comments. Because he he talks so much good basketball stuff, and he's so smart and so sharp. And, yeah, his demeanor, there's no question, is 180-degree change from Frank Martin. But he actually said Sunday, uh, Saturday after the win, after he talked about how, how great it was to win for Hayden Brown and what Hayden Brown has meant to the program this year, he actually said he has never coached, and maybe this is a little hyperbole, but he's never had a team improve more from the beginning of the season to where they are now. And I'm not so sure he's wrong. Because mm-hmm. this team it is, uh, you know, especially once it got into SEC play, looked so bad early. And then they get the Kentucky win, which was uh, looked like it was going to be an outlier. But here of late, they're playing some really good basketball. They could have easily beaten Alabama, and that would you stack that up with the wins over Kentucky and Clemson, and he may have one of the better resumes in the SEC this year. But uh, they didn't get that done. But still, uh, the the job he has done this season, I, I agree with Tom, I don't think should be under, undersold because I think he has done a very, very good job with a, a roster that's probably not anywhere commiserate with what he's having to compete against. And thank Gigi you for Jackson the phone call. not included, of course. Yeah, thank you for the phone call. Before we go to the break, here is a Clemson baseball coach Eric Backich, who, of course, was coaching – Clemson as the head coach for the first time in this series. Of course, he would had a little taste of it during his brief stay at Clemson many years ago, but now he got the full Monty of what the series is about. I like the, you know, it's a traveling circus from one site to one site to the next site. A lot of passion, a lot of emotion. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's, um, if you win it, it's a great series. If you lose it, it's tough and you have to suck it up and move on with the rest of the season. There's a lot of baseball still to be played. Here is Coach Backish as the media talked with him yesterday in front of his dugout shortly after the Gamecocks had finished off that 7-1 victory. Tip of the cap to South Carolina. They, they totally outplayed us in every facet today. Uh, they swung the bats very well. Um, you know, they, they completely shut us down offensively. Um, you know, Mahoney pitched well, but Hicks out of the bullpen I thought was really the one of the players of the game for them he just uh good running fastball and just we had no answers for him and thought we made a lot of soft contact with less than two strikes uh and just really really couldn't get any momentum going offensively so uh you know uh not much to say other than they they straight up straight up beat us and uh not gonna make excuses about it we're just gonna get better um you know sucks hate losing um but you know, they outplayed us and outcoached us, and they were they were the better team today. There was 
no question about it from anyone that was watching. And, um, you know, we just need to find a way to be much more competitive than that. And that's the bottom line. Eric, did you feel like with, with a shorthanded pitching staff, y'all were going to need to put up a decent amount of runs to, to have a chance? Or? Thought we, uh, thought, yeah, we, look, we're never going to make excuses about injuries. Nobody cares about your injuries. And we're, we can overcome some injuries. That's not, that's not the issue. And we, we put up plenty of runs yesterday, and that was we really shot our shot yesterday to, to try to clinch the series then. And, um, you know, it didn't work out for us in the end yesterday, but I thought coming in here today we would have a better response. Uh, but it just, um, you know, didn't have answers for them. We knew it was going to have a be one of those days where we would use a lot of guys uh, in short stints, and we, would, we were hoping that, you know, having a different guy go out there every time through the order would would hold them down but it didn't they they teed off on some balls they got some really good swings off obviously the three home runs but even the even the outs were loud you know balls multiple balls hit to the fence um so they they were just on the barrel all day and you know credit to their offense they really really you know did some damage and we didn't how much not having rice hurt you pitching wise and maybe if you if he's going to play in the field uh, we could have used him on the mound today for sure, um, but you know that's that's no excuse. Um, uh, that's the, you know um, we'll, we'll we'll use him as a pitcher moving forward, but um, you know that wasn't that had nothing to do with anything offensively, and had nothing to do with uh, our ability to uh, you know to to get ahead of hitters today. They got they took some big hacks when they were ahead in the count and I thought that was to what good offenses do. They they get an advantage counts and they, they let it rip and they, they took some rips and conversely for us we were in less than two strike counts and made some weak you know, just, just didn't have that that same thump in the bat and that's one thing we'll work on this week is uh, being a, a lot more uh, a lot more aggressive on balls to smash with less than two count, uh, less than two strikes, and that's part of our offensive philosophy. Anyways, we just were facing some really good pitching today. Uh, you know, I thought I thought Hicks was, you know, that fastball, the way it was running, when when compared with the slider, and he just was on. He was really good. So um, he had our number today. So tip of the cap to that. All right, some comments from Eric Backish, Clemson baseball coach. It will be Caden Grice on the mound for Clemson tomorrow. He's listed as a starting pitcher for the game against East Tennessee State, and the Tigers have not named their starter for Wednesday's game against uh, Presbyterian. As we go to the break, uh, Pat has pointed out to us, what, one time in the history of the ACC, a top four seed in the ACC tournament, a team that finished in the top four in the regular season only one time. It did not make the NCAA tournament. Is that correct? That's right, Phil. Yeah, just going back to when the NCAA tournament expanded to 64 teams back in 1985, there has been exactly one instance where a top three ACC team missed out on the tournament, and that was the 1999 UVA Cavaliers. They were the only team to have done it there was a, a couple times you had the four seed miss it. Virginia Tech, I'm sure their head coach still has nightmares over Old Greenberg of the times they uh, <laughs> missed the tournament there. They seem to be on the bubble year in and year out. And then the, it was either 2015 or 16 Louisville team, but that was because they were on probation. Boy, yeah. Virginia's yeah, I should made mention, all kinds of course, of- that for so many years, only one team went mm-hmm. from all the leagues. So 
But go Virginia's ahead, made all kinds of uh, of NCAA history, haven't they? That stat Pat just pointed out, first number one to lose to a 16 and then follow it up with a national championship the next year. Hmm. UVA's got a rich, rich history of weird things happening in NCAA tournament time. They do, and, they, and that 1999 team went nine, and just for a little more context, they went nine and seven overall in the conference and 19 and 12 overall. The four seed behind them, the UNC Tar Heels, finished with the same regular season record, but were 22 and 14 overall. All right, and Wofford's off to a tremendous start against the UTC, 21 to seven. The Paladins lead 11.39 to go in the opening half. They're trying to make sure that this will not come down to some Hail Mary that keeps them at home. So Slauson has seven uh, for the Paladins. He's had a great year. He's had seven for them at this point. And um, let's see if anybody else has scored a significant amount. No, Bothwell hasn't even scored yet, and yet they are up by 14. So that's, that's certainly a good sign when your best player one of your best players hasn't scratched, and you still have a 14-point lead. Okay, we go to the break here on Sports Talk. We'll come back and take some more calls for you. we got Dabo Sweeney coming up. We'll hear from him. We've got uh, Dawn Staley. Comments from her as well after winning the championship yesterday, getting ready to move on to NCAA tournament play. Uh, we got recruiting as well. In our final minutes, uh, Chris will um, rehash his seven days in the panhandle of Florida for us. Almost 14. Share some of the highlights. Alabama share. (laughs) We'll be back in a moment. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports. And wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code B. BB5. Don't wait. Order today. Major Downer here from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Boating season is just around the corner. To make sure that your boat is ready, check your registration sticker and ensure it's current. Find your registration card, make sure your life jackets are in good shape, and check your fire extinguisher as well. For more information on boating or boat tiling questions, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash boating. Parents ask, what's the best way to save for college? I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and my answer is always open a Future Scholar 529 College Savings Account. It's easy. You can get started online with any amount. It's flexible to adapt your child's college dreams. And you can deduct 100% of your contributions from the South Carolina state tax return. So what are you waiting for? Go to futurescholar.com and see why it's the smart, easy way to save for college. Futurescholar.com.
Mention this real quick. USC has the lead after two rounds of the uh, Palmetto Intercollegiate there in Aiken. Gamecocks are at seven under par after two rounds, have a seven-shot lead on Wisconsin. Mercer would be next at plus one. Furman is sixth at plus three. Francis Marion is plus nine. That's good for eighth. USC Aiken is plus 19. That's good for 10th. Wofford is 11th at plus 20. And individually, the leader is Tobias Johnson and also Cameron Huss. Johnson of Mercer and Huss of Wisconsin. They're minus six. Nathan Franks, the uh, low man for the Gamecocks, after two rounds at minus four. He's in sixth place. Let's go back to the phones, and it is Gamecock Larry. With us next, Gamecock Larry, hope you're doing well. Welcome into Sports Talk. Boy, I tell you what, I got had two got two radios, one on the Clemson station, one on the Gamecock station. Boy, on a Saturday afternoon, guess what? What? Oh, game, Gamecock Larry had to listen to the baseball game on the Clemson station. Boy, that was the longest game I ever listened to. A Gamecock Larry listening to Clemson. I don't know what his name was calling the game, but boy, I tell you what, it was a it was hard, but I made it, and it was a great weekend for the Gamecocks. When you got up to seven and four, oh, I don't know, I don't know the name of the guy that called it, but he said. Oh, there goes a hammer in the coffin, hammer in the coffin. But when that guy got up there in the seventh or eighth inning and hit that ball out there, hit, broke a window in the uh, New York life, shut off the fire, extract a fire alarm. Boy, I didn't hear him no more. All I heard him say was, this is a game cut. This is a home game. It's just like a home game. Just like a home game. All I see is Garner and Black. Go Gamecocks. Nice talking to you, Mr. Phil. I ain't got to sing Tiger Egg. Don't have to sing Tiger Egg. I'll talk to you tomorrow when I can be settled down and talk a little bit straighter. But I don't have to sing Tiger Egg. Go Gamecocks. Love on yo. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I think that was uh, Quackenbush on the call for Clemson, wasn't it? Because I think Munson had basketball yeah, no, duties. Yeah, probably had basketball Saturday. Yeah. Though he might have been able to make it back because you did. Uh, yeah, he might have, but yeah, he might have strained the vocal yeah. cords too, you know, by doing that. Okay, thank you, Gamecock Larry. We'll be back. Back we are here on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on this Monday night. It's been very busy. It's going to be busy moving forward. I'll be heading up to Greensboro for the ACC tournament. Matt Smith will be heading to Nashville for the SEC tournament. And hopefully 
Now, typically I take one change of clothes when I go to the ACC tournament because Clemson's not there very long, but maybe this will be the year where they hang in there a little bit longer. <laughs> in the meantime, we're up here at Clemson. Brad Brownell, we heard from him. We're going to hear from him in just a moment. We also heard from Dabo Sweeney, Clemson football coach. They started spring practice today. And here is some of what the Clemson head football coach had to say. This is We pick it up after he went through the roster of the injured. We've already talked about those guys. Uh, and we pick it up with him talking about having now the chance for the first time really to wor- work with a bunch of the new guys who have joined the program and are ready to uh, step up and be the, be the guys with this Clemson football team. A few of them I got to see at the bowl, which was kind of cool. Uh, but really just – just kind of where they are. I mean, you know, you never really know till you get on the practice field and you start coaching guys. How do they? How do they grab a hold of things in the meeting room and can they translate it to the practice field? Uh, but I just want to see them go out there and compete. I want to see where they are, see how they match up. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, and uh, you know, there's a few more, like I said, coming in this summer that that I'll be excited about as well. But you know, it's going to be fun. First couple of days are in shorts. Um, but we'll ramp it up on Wednesday, uh, start getting into some pad work. and <clears throat> But just kind of where they are, see them compete. And I think all the mid-years, with the exception of Paul Tyson, um, I think all the, all those guys are ready to go. You know, So um, just kind of get a feel for kind of who they are on the field. With, uh, with Garrett arriving, two-part question. <clears throat> can you, can you, how, how do you prepare – the guys before you get them on the field to kind of get them, you know, involved in the offense. And then this isn't something you really had to deal with since uh, Chad Morris got here. How excited are you to, to actually get out on the field and kind of put that in, in action today? <clears throat> well, I mean, when Chad left, you know, Tony um, and, and Jeff taking over there um, in in uh, 14 or start of 15. Uh, so we, we've had – it's been, been since then, since we've really had transition. Uh but uh, you know, there's a lot. I mean, we've been we've been going since the end of January with meetings. <clears throat> you know, now the way the rules are, you can do walkthroughs. Uh, so you know, as a part of our mat drills, you know, we we've done walkthroughs. We've had a lot of installation meetings. So uh, you know, you prepare for this first practice probably more than any practice you know all year because you you know it's like all right, you, 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 we've installed a lot. Um, and then you have, you know, pretty much all of February to meet as a staff to get on the same page as coaches and, and you know, everybody speak the same language, you know, because that's, that's the biggest thing in, in the initial stages is, you know, what do you, what do you call two-by-two, two? what do you call three-by-one, what do you call three-by-two, you know, everybody calls it something. So learn, you know, what's four verts, you know, what's smash, what's, what's your quick game, what do you call six-man protection, five-man protection, five quick, five drop back. What, do you, what are those things called? What do you call inside zone? What do you call the outside zone? What do you call the counter? What do you call the power? You know, I mean, everybody can – football people can look at it and say, well, we know what that is, but all right, we got to all get on the same page because everybody's got different language. And <clears throat> so kind of collaborating the last month and, and really honing in. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing with Garrett, you know, it's not going to be about – trying to see how much we can install. I think it's just going to be about getting everybody on the same page, getting a good foundation in place this spring. Uh, you know, we got six receivers that, that aren't really available, you know, um, with with Bo, Adam, um, uh, Stellato, and then you got three coming in the summer in Roan and Tyler and Tink. 
So, <clears throat> you know, we got, but you still got to, you still got to install what we need to because we got backs. Everybody needs it, and uh, so I guess we got five scholarship guys out there uh, this spring. That and then we got you know good walk Hampton Earl, Hamp Green. Those guys will be able to contribute and help us as well. But you got to get it in. So just a good foundation um, uh, from a from a base offense standpoint. And that's, I think, the biggest objective is coming out of spring, feeling good about what we do install, because if we can get the base down, then we'll be able to build from there. <clears throat> and then defensively, you know, it's really just you know learning from, from our season and getting everybody in the right spot. We got some really, really good players that aren't going to really be participating in spring, like Rook and Peyton Page and XT. You know, so, but that's like, okay, where's Greg? Where's Zaire? Where's Cade? Uh, Denhoff, you know, and really seeing the Jaheim and seeing where those guys are, these new guys that have rolled in here. TJ, Peter Woods, Steph Island, Burley, you know, so it's exciting. Uh, but just getting the base down, the base foundational pieces uh, offensively, defensively, and special teams. Could you give us a glimpse of maybe what uh, the offensive line will look like uh, personnel wise with those two guys out to start off the gate? Well, uh, you're going to be out there today, so you'll get a chance to see for yourself. Uh, you know, cause we'll, we'll start out with some special teams and some indie. And, you know, we'll, in the past, y'all have seen us kind of do a tempo period. You know, we, we most days we'll do a tempo period. And I think today we're actually doing that tempo period against the defense. We'll, we'll just, just a little fastball, good and good, try to get about 10, 12 plays run uh, in a quick five-minute period. But, uh you know, you'll see Blake Miller out there. Uh, he, he, he kind of finished up there at right tackle and really like where he's at. I mean, he's going to be, a uh, we think, a, a really special player. I mean, it's hard to start as a true freshman. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, he certainly wasn't perfect, but he, he's, he made a lot of strides. Um, and so excited about, you know, where he's at. And then um, over at left tackle, Tristan will get his opportunity. You know, Marcus Tate. Gives us a lot of flexibility because Marcus State can play left tackle. Uh, you know, we got to get when we get through the summer and get into camp, and we really figure out who the best five are, and then who's the sixth guy and the seventh guy. You know, Marcus is a guy that gives you a lot of flexibility because obviously he can play guard, but he can play left tackle and play right tackle. And, and so, who is that guy? Like last year, we thought Blake was the fifth best guy, so we moved Walker to guard, um, and so that's kind of where we were. Obviously, you got Putnam. Uh, in there, and uh, he's 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 in a good spot. And then Mitchell Mays, I think, took a big he took a big step forward, finishing those uh, what he started last four games for us, and really did a nice job. Um, so you'll see him in there, and then <clears throat> probably uh, today, probably a combination of Trent Howard and Ryan Lenthicum. You know, that's kind of where we are from just just guys that can really go be you know execute functionally as a football player. So you'll see Lenthicum and, and uh, uh, Trent kind of working guard and center and both kind of working some center. And then you're going to see a lot of Dietrich, uh, you know, kind of where he's at. He's going to get his opportunity with that first group at guard as well. Um, uh, John is, is going to be, you know, he's limited right now, so I'm not sure when we'll get him back, you know, dealing with this appendix deal. Uh, so that's kind of where it'll start.
All right, from Dabo Sweeney, we segue right into the recruiting report tonight. It's brought to you by Seawells. Hope you can get out to Seawells this week for the daily luncheon buffet from 11 till 2. It's only $13, and you know it's the best buffet in the world. And for the very best in the catering business, that is Seawells as well. Just give them a call, tell them what you need, let them work with you, and they'll take great care of you. 803-771-7385 online to check out the menu options. That is SeawellsCateringSC.com. A lot of notes for you tonight from a recruiting standpoint. So let's run through them. USC is set for a visit this spring from defensive end Dylan Stewart, 6'5", 238 of Washington, coming in on April the 14th for the spring game weekend. Also visited USC back in January for their junior day. He's also released his other visit dates for the spring. Alabama was where he was this past weekend for a junior day. He's got Michigan March 18th, Ohio State March 24th, Georgia the 31st, Penn State April 7th, Colorado April 21st, Oregon on the 28th, and Tennessee on May 29th. He had 15 sacks last year. Running back Peyton Lewis of Salem, Virginia, plans to be at USC March 17 and 18. He was at Tennessee this past weekend for a junior day. Also coming up for him, Virginia on the 14th, Virginia Tech on the 21st, Nebraska the 24th through the 26th, West Virginia on the 31st, North Carolina April 15th. He was offered by Alabama and Purdue in the last couple of days. He's also a track standout, two-time state champion in Virginia in the 55 meters indoors. Offensive tackle Mike Williams, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, will be at USC again April 1st. He was also there for their junior day in January. He was at Maryland on Sunday. Miami, he'll go to, actually he was at Miami over the weekend as well. Uh, Michigan State, March 18th, Southern Cal, April the 8th. He also picked up an offer from Tennessee. Safety Keenan Nix, Kennesaw, Georgia, plans to visit USC March 18th. Receiver Fatuma Kuba plans to visit Clemson for the spring game April 15th. He's the brother of Tigers safety Andrew Makuba going to Kansas State March 23rd and Oklahoma March 25th. He's out of Austin, Texas. Running back Ty Wagner of Prairie Duchesne, Wisconsin, and I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it just sounds good the way it rolled off my tongue. Prairie Duchesne plans to visit Clemson March 31st. Any opinion on that pronunciation, Mr. Bergen? Prairie Duchesne? No one down here is going to know any difference, so we'll say you're spot on. 2025 linebacker and safety Jarkobi Hobson, Lake Comorant, Mississippi, plans to visit USC this spring. Also plans to see Arkansas, Florida State, Texas A&M, Auburn, Ole Miss, Florida, Louisville, LSU, Ohio State, Oregon, and Mississippi State. USC target, receiver Amari Jefferson of Chattanooga, offered by Alabama. USC target, defensive end Booker Pickett, was at Texas Friday, and he also picked up an offer from Texas A&M. USC target, cornerback Melo Jones, was offered by Michigan. Another USC target, Luca Puccinelli, was offered by Syracuse. USC target, Stephen Souls, a defensive end, was at Miami over the weekend. Clemson USC target, safety K.J. Bolden, was at Alabama over the weekend. Going to go to Auburn the 17th and Florida State the 24th. He also has Southern Cal April 15th and Oregon April 29th. 
He was at Clemson for Junior Day in January. USC target defensive end Jamonta Waller of Picayune, Mississippi, was at Alabama over the weekend. He was at USC for a Junior Day in January. USC target offensive tackle Caleb Brewer was at NC State over the weekend. USC target tight end Caleb Odom was at Alabama, and he picked up an offer. USC target receiver Mario Craver was at Florida. USC target receiver James Madison was at Missouri over the weekend. He goes to Florida State this coming weekend. USC target defensive end Justin Green was at LSU Saturday for a junior day. The USC target defensive uh, make that wide receiver B.J. Gibson was at Florida over the weekend. Clemson and USC target receiver T.J. Moore went to Texas over the weekend. Clemson target offensive tackle Casey Poe was at LSU over the weekend, scheduled to be at Clemson later this week. 2025 corner Tyler Redman of Alpharetta, Georgia, plans to visit Clemson on March the 11th. Wide receiver Jeremiah McClellan of St. Louis offers from Clemson and USC, was offered by Georgia. USC target athlete David Rodriguez, he moved up a year into the 2025 class from 2026. Tight end defensive end Patrick Swiger to Batesburg-Leesville announced that he will go to Clemson as a PWO. He was also considering a PWO offer from USC. West Florence safety Kelvin Hunter has set an unofficial visit to Virginia Tech March 23rd and an official visit to USC June 23rd. He also plans to visit Clemson at some point, but no date has been set. Defensive tackle Marcus Downs and 2025 athlete Mikkel Skinner from Riverside, they were at Tennessee on Saturday, and today Downs picked up an offer from the Vols. In basketball, Clemson offered 6'6", Jonathan Powell of Dayton, Ohio. He's also got Ohio State, Notre Dame, Indiana, Texas A&M, Alabama, Xavier, Michigan State, Virginia Tech. In baseball, 2025 infielder Jackson Moore of Hartsville committed to Clemson. There you go with the recruiting report for now. Here on Sports Talk, brought to you by Seawells. We'll go to the break, and when we come back, Little Dawn Staley for you, coming off cutting down the nets once again. Uh, Brad Brownell, we'll hold that for tomorrow. That'll still be good for tomorrow night. So we'll get you some Dawn Staley, let you hear a little bit about what she had to say after winning yet another SEC tournament championship over the weekend in Greenville. That's coming up next here on Sports Talk. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. Parents ask, 
What's the best way to save for college? I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and my answer is always open a Future Scholar 529 College Savings Account. It's easy. You can get started online with any amount. It's flexible to adapt to your child's college dreams. And you can deduct 100% of your contributions from the South Carolina state tax return. So what are you waiting for? Go to futurescholar.com and see why it's the smart, easy way to save for college. futurescholar.com. South Carolina's largest hunting, fishing, and outdoor expo takes center stage at the Palmetto Sportsman's Classic sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance. Come on down for a good time with over 350 vendors, dog dogs competition, extreme raptor show, kids catfish pond, and much more family fun. Hope to see you at the Classic March the 24th through the 26th at the South Carolina State Fairgrounds. All right, at the half, Furman is leading Chattanooga 38-33. Palins had a big lead early on. Mocks have come back, making it a little bit interesting, 38-33 there. And, of course, later tonight, it's the College of Charleston playing in the semifinals of the CAA up in Washington, D.C. after winning last night. Right now, it's 3.44 to go in the game, and Wilmington and Hofstra, Hofstra the number one seed, they are tied at 68. Towson and Charleston to follow. No such concerns tonight for Dawn Staley. She can relax a little bit. She's got another net around her neck after the SEC championship yesterday, won by the USC women, the number one team in the country. Undefeated heading into NCAA tournament play. Here's a little bit of what she had to say after her team defeated Tennessee yesterday in Greenville. Tennessee, they, they, they weren't going away. They were six points at halftime. What changed in the third quarter? I, I mean, we wanted to win. I mean, we really did want to win. And, you know, I thought we just bear down and start playing like we, we, we normally play, just putting possessions together where we're scoring, getting stops, and, I, and Tennessee would not go away. They would not. I mean, they they actually gave multiple efforts on the on the on the rebounding um, side of the ball. Um, and then they they had players that put us back on our heels. I mean, it was it was it was a hard matchup with Horston and, and Jackson. I mean, they you need to either guard them one on one with some help coming from somewhere, and then allow them to rebound the basketball a lot. A lot better, um, but I just think over the course of 40 minutes and the amount of people that were able to throw at them, they they weren't as sharp as they were throughout the entire game, and that's just a that's just a product of our depth. You didn't go with that depth as much as you usually do tonight. You let the kind of seniors and the experienced players out there. Is it just because you saw it was that kind of game where you needed their their smart decision making? Um, I mean, I, I, I actually I know this is probably this team's as a whole last time here. And I wanted I wanted our seniors to kind of play it out, to give them a little extra minutes. Um, I mean, Raven starting um, short in our bench because she's um, she's one of the first people off the bench. Um, so we probably played one less person 
Breezy, I wish I had the opportunity to play Breezy a little bit more, but I also wanted to I wanted to send our, our seniors off in a way that they wanted to go off with them being in control of it. Um, but Breezy will get her chance to 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 be that that one, you know, in the in the very near future. Hey, Coach, uh, Zaya Cook had three steals at midcourt. It looked as if she was a step quicker than Tennessee's guards. Did you count on that coming in, or was that surprising how well she played uh, there defensively? Well, I mean, with Zaya, Zaya wants to win, like, more than anything. And, I mean, she finds her way impacting the game um, on, on both sides of the basketball. So I, didn't, I really didn't anticipate her getting as many steals as she got, but when she had that, you know, that fire in her eyes, she was going to make something happen. So she digged in a couple times, um, and I was happy for her because she needed to get some easy buckets under her belt. So she needed to see that ball go in, and then once it went in, um, she was able to knock down some threes, and it helps her just defend, have a quicker step defensively, knowing that she's impacting the game in that way. Don, what's the next uh, week or so look like? Because I mean, it might be two weeks before you play another game. Right. Um, we're, we're off for you know for Monday through Thursday spring break for us. Um, I got to go to recruiting on the West Coast on Tuesday, so that, there's my break. Don, since we always ask you this, things like this, the fans who came up, you know, it's a big number that they had here. I know Tennessee had some fans, but what does this say about the group that follows you? Was it saying three weeks when maybe they are all back here yep. for the same thing? I'm, I mean, it's amazing. Like, it's amazing. And I, I, I know that playing here in Greenville is advantageous um, for us, you know. But, I mean, we, we draw a big crowd. They, they come in droves, um, and they continue to come as the weekend gets closer to Sunday. And then, you know, to hear them today, like, doing the introductions, I really took my took my time to re- really just just be in that moment, to hear it. You know, and it's quite incredible when we went on our run to hear it. It, it really felt like home. It felt like Colonial Life Arena. And I'm, I'm so happy for not only our, our players and our program, but our, our fans. Like, they've they've been ride or die throughout, you know. Every loss, you know, they coach us up. You know, every win, they probably wanted to make some adjustments. Um, but they're they're super proud of their team and the product that we put on the floor, and it really helps. It really helps us. Um, it helps us in recruiting. It helps us, you know, just know that we, we got that, you know, that 12th player that that impacts the game, and, and also it helps that we, we win some of those social media battles. Okay, there you go. Dawn Staley, her thoughts, some of them after that win yesterday as the Gamecocks take another SEC tournament championship and an undefeated record into the NCAA tournament. Uh, Chris, you had something that you wanted me to do for you before I, I, I leave quickly, Clemson? Yeah, before you yeah. leave Clemson, uh, Dabo nicknamed the, uh, the new part of their indoor practice facility the Clemson Athletics Branding Institute, the CAB. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he said, yeah, it gives you a lift to your destination, but you got to pay the toll. Well, Dabo, you need to pay me a toll because those three initials are my initials for my name. So there's no greater name, image, and likeness than your actual name, right? So if Clemson's going to use that, I need you to drop a bill off by the football office (laughs) on your way out of town, please, sir. (laughs) That's right. C-A-B. There you go. Christopher Alexander Bergen. Leave it to Sweeney to come up with uh, some saying 
to be used for further uh, inspiration, you know, for his players. So make sure you pay the cab driver when you go into my cab. That'll do it. Thank you to the folks here at Clemson. See you tomorrow night back in Columbia. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Chris. See you tomorrow.